Good morning, everybody. It's great to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Everybody's happy? Say, oh, come on. There's not that many sad people in this building this morning. Everybody's happy? Say, oh, you did great. You did great. How many are enjoying the season that we're in? Cold weather? How many have dug to the back of the closet and you found some warmer clothes? How many are looking forward to uh, swimming time again? You know, we have changes because, and seasons, and God has crowned this world with seasons because not everybody likes 100-degree weather. And those that don't like 100-degree weather can say, three of you. And there are those that enjoy the fall season because it's changing from the hot weather to the intermediate weather so we can get ready for the cold season. How many enjoy the cold season again? In spite of the quietness, I know of two men in this building that really enjoy the winter, and that's the Clayton brothers. I expected a real, some real, two real loud amens this morning. And here's what happens. Uh, I, I enjoy, I enjoy uh, every season, but I'm, I uh, prefer one season over another. But I have learned to uh, talk about the goodness of uh, w- the wintertime because I know it's the Clayton boys' harvest. And so rather than complain about how cold it is, I think how beneficial it is to some people for the cold weather. Well, you say, you're just talking about monetary. Well, no, let me talk about something that deals with your life. There's no mosquitoes (laughs) in the wintertime. You want to talk to, uh, let me talk to you about something more personal. You put your lawnmower up for the winter. (laughs) You don't need the weed eater, the edger during the winter time. Oh, come on. I can tell by the looks of you. Some of you, some of you guys here, your wives do it all. There's something great about every season. And can I say this is a season that God wants to walk into all of our life and bless us. I don't know about you, but I love blessings. I love to be blessed. And the Bible says we're blessed in our coming in and our going out. And so no matter what season we may be enjoying weather-wise, there are also seasons that the Lord sends our way. There's times of harvest. There's times that seem like everything works good. Our marriage is good. Our children are great. And just seems like on the job, everything just seems to be going in an awesome manner. And then there's days that seem like it's wintertime. It just seems like our... We just struggle spiritually, uh, and we struggle financially, and sometimes we have attacks on this house that our spirit lives in, our body, and our body sometimes goes the wrong direction, and we get sick, and, and, and sometimes our spirit even goes north or south, and we get kind of hard to get along with. And even the dog notices that we're not stepping too high when we walk up on the porch of our house. But aren't you glad that times of refreshing come from the season we decided to allow the Lord to walk into our life? I wasn't really jumping over the pews when uh, Jared challenged us with this fasting time, even though I know the Bible says there's a time to fast. And uh, there's also a time of feast. And, and I tell you, you can call a feast and you can get a host of people. You can call a fast and there's some of, some of you people that feel like I do about fast. It's for Joe and Leroy, not me. <laughs> but I decided on, in this season of fasting that I would ask the Lord to uh, do something for me that, uh, that I really want to see happen. Uh, Jared is a tremendous blessing. Uh, only, only God knows the blessing that he is to our community, to our school to our church family, and then to the pastor. And out of the corner of my eye, I, I watch him uh, as he processes the ministry, his family, his spiritual life. And there's one thing that I, I really, there's many things that I love about him, but there's one thing that I see in him that he's really helping me with. He's an awesome listener. 
And I've noticed this about him. When he's listening, his mind isn't getting ready to tell you something that will trump what you're telling him. And I've asked the Lord, Lord, if you can gift a young man like that, the word says you'll let old men dream dreams when we get my age. So I'm going to dream that during this fast time, I'm going to develop an ear to listen better and shut off my memory about thinking about how I'm going to trump that story. And then I'm, going to, I'm asking the Lord, help me to encourage that person that's going through a stormy time in their life. I could ask her how I'm doing, but I'm not going to cross that road this morning. (laughs) We're all work in progress, you know. Aren't you glad we're not there yet? But we're work in progress, and the Lord's working on your pastor. So everybody should put your hands together and say, thank you, Jesus. I want to learn. I want to have a willing spirit. Every day I want to learn something. I want to learn how to be a better pastor. I want to be a, learn how to be a better neighbor. I want to be a, 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 learn to be a better uh, person with compassion. And I want to, when I stand behind the, the, the podium that you can see through today, I, I, want to, I want you to see that I'm just a guy like you. But God has said, come here, boy. I want you to stand here, not sit there. And I'm asking the Lord, develop me in these hours that we're enjoying so that I can have something to say when I get here that will be beneficial to you as you go there. How's that? Oh, you're so good this morning. Thank you, Craig. (laughs) Returning to this morning to Psalms 34, Jared began us this new year, uh, Psalms 34, and uh, verse 8, if you have it in your Bible, uh, if you don't, can we have it on the uh, overhead? Do we have that? We do have. One of these days we're going to hang, hang a big screen right up here so I can act like I'm saying the Scripture by heart, but I'm really going to be reading it. <laughs> I'd love that. would be called a cheat sheet. But I want you to look at this. Uh, let's taste and see that the Lord is good. How many know the Lord is good? Yeah. How, how do we know that? You know, we, we use our, our, what we hear, what we see, and what we touch. We use these external fixtures to, to change our inside. But we used our taste buds to feed our inside. Our, our hearing is great. Another petition I've asked the Lord in this hearing, hearing time, how many of you know that we believe in divine healing? We believe that when Jesus created this body, he created it to heal itself. And the doctors may make some adjustments. They may have to go in and do some adjustment and do some repairing. But God gives the healing, and he's created this body to heal itself. However, in my younger days, uh, even though there were, there were these little orange things that you put in your ear, I thought I could run a jackhammer. I could run a, a truck without a muffler. I, I just, you know, loudness meant nothing to me. I could handle it. But, boy, I wish I had have learned to use those pieces of equipment to, to help me because one day through the, through the rolling and the tolling of life, things begin to wear out. Back to the scripture. Blessed, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Our taste buds are what sends a message to our soulish man of whether things are good or bad. And we're going to be talking about this. However, he did a tremendous job about three weeks ago of, of, of sharing with us some things that I'm going to send back to you because the crowd was a little small that day, but I wish the house had been packed. It was a tremendous message. And, and I'm, I'm go- I borrowed his first page off of his message, and if you recognize it as I'm uh, sharing it with you, just wave at me, and I'll know you're getting it for the second time, okay? That's all right. Sometimes Sherry has to tell me three times, and then she says, I told you this before. I'm not going to treat you that way. She only treat, she's only treated me twice that way in 58 years, and I'm not going to tell you when it happened. Maybe last night, but not, not recently. <laughs> I love you, honey. Our tongue is a very intricate piece of, of this body. 
And I'm going to borrow the fact that Jared shared with us in the message on December the 31st of this past year. The average person has 10,000 taste buds that are replaced every two weeks. Are you with me? Don't ever tell me they'll change to where I'll love gravy. It won't happen. (laughs) Number two, you have four types of taste buds scattered about your tongue, but they have major areas of concentration. The sweet taste buds, mostly on the very tip or front of your tongue, We all have that, right? Oh, do I love sweets. There are sour taste buds, mostly in the middle of your tongue. So if you're on a sour note this morning, take that breast sweetener and put it right on the tip of your tongue. Number three, the salty taste buds are mostly on the front of your tongue, not at the tip, but on the front of your tongue. And the bitter taste buds are mostly on the back of your tongue. It's a sense of taste that allows us to really enjoy food. Sort of gives us a personal attachment to it, doesn't it? Uh, To me. Let me just talk. I'm going to preach to me and you enjoy what I'm saying to me. Have you ever ate food you know you love but the head cold played games with you? (laughs) And your taste buds just won't taste that food like it did before you were attacked by a head cold. That's horrible. That's a horrible day in Chester, I can tell you. There's two desserts that fascinate me. That's angel food cake and cherry pie. There's only two kinds of cherry pie. That's hot and that's cold. They're all good. My eyes always scan the dessert table especially here at this church. It's been a great investment to you people. I weigh about 30 pounds more than I did 39 years ago when I met you. You've invested in my life. But as I scan that dessert table, if I see either dessert or both on the table, I adjust my eating habits so I can enjoy the desserts. I'll never forget the time that my eyes deceived my taste buds. As I scanned the dessert table on this special Sunday, I located a pie with a beautiful red color seeping around the edges of the crust that was made just like mom. Mom could put the crust, she could lay the, the crust out and then she'd take a spoon and she'd make the stem of a leaf and then she could take the, the very end of that very end of that spoon and she could put the curve in that in that leaf as it left the stem of it 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 was beautiful this pie on that particular day had these these ornaments on it and one of them had gone a little deep in the red part of that red pie had seeped up and I could identify I'm going for it (laughs) in fact I'm not going to take any chances on it I'm going to set my plate down I'm going to go to the dessert table now so I'll be sure that I can invest that in the ministry I set my plate on the table then and I enjoyed what I had made arrangements for and the amount of food that I could eat so that I could have plenty of time to enjoy the first go around of dessert and I try not to be I try not to be a glutton. I always like to make sure that each, at least two people get a piece of that dessert before I look to go get the second piece. I'm, I feel very generous. Uh, I didn't take the first and second piece of that pie. As I took that, my fork that day and cut into that pie, my taste buds were already working. My mouth was already watering, waiting for the confirmation of that cherry pie. But on that day, I realized my eyes had deceived my taste buds, and that pie was not cherry. It was something called rhubarb. (laughs) How disappointing. Immediately, my push 
muscle became strong, and I pushed that cherry pie away from me. But it didn't change my taste for cherry pie. I am just more careful as I survey the table. Is that the real thing, or is it something that looks like the real thing? Think about this. What we hear, see, and touch always affects our external, but what we taste affects our internal. It must always be brought within, and in a strange way, it becomes a part of who we are. Are you with me this morning? Are you with me? David was reflecting on his spiritual taste buds, and I want you to follow with me this morning as we find this scripture in, in Psalms 38, verse 4. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord. You see, God's blessing others time after time, but until you have personally allowed him to have an encounter with you, and you've been able to taste and see the goodness of God, you're only, you're only taking the information from somebody else that's already been to the dessert table. And you're believing everything they've said. And let me tell you, I'm a real believer when I taste. And everybody in that table tried to tell me how good that rebar, re, re, rebarb pie, yeah, yeah, <laughs> rhubarb pie is. And I went, inside, I was saying, liar, liar. What's the rest of that for? <laughs> oh, I didn't say it out loud. It just doesn't have the flavor. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't fit my taste buds. I know, I know you're looking at me saying, he's strange. I'm enjoying it too. Blessed is the man that will put them trust, their trust in the Lord. You see, when God blesses us, it comes to us through our taste buds spiritually because if this body has taste buds, this sends a direct, a, a direct encounter or a direct message to our brain. Our spirit man has taste buds that also realizes that being fed from the table of the Lord can be one of the greatest encounters that we'll have. And you'll never really know how good God is until you've been to his table and feasted on his blessings. What is so essential to taste of God? And I'm glad you asked. First, God is a relational God. God is not about religion. One of the greatest enemies to the church world around our world today is religion. And, and religion is not what God's all about. God is a relational God. God created the heavens and the earth. He saw Adam then, and he seen, as he created Adam, he saw how lonesome he was. So the, the first thing he said, I want Adam to have a relationship, and he needs to have a family. So he sent Eve. And the reason that uh, Eve was called a woman is because the first time that Adam fastened his eyes on her, he said, whoa, man. I mean, he'd had a glimpse of her from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet. He'd never seen anything like that. First encounters. He, he loved it. <laughs> Better than cherry pie. And then they begin to replenish the earth. And remember this, remember this, as we live in the age we're living, it wasn't Adam and Steve. It was Adam and Eve. Do you think God's plan is perfect? Then don't get sold on Steve. We're going to love Steve, but he doesn't cause reproduction when he's the Eve. Moving on, that's no charge. It's not in my notes, so don't look at me. I mean, we're in here to have a good time now. God desires that we not only know him intellectually, but he wants us to experience, to taste him in our heart. And here are some scriptures that reflect on my thoughts this morning, and one of them is found in Psalms 119, verse 11. It says, thy word have I hid in my heart. Here's what hiding God's word in my heart will do. It helps me say no to sin and yes to God. Have I ever sinned? Romans 3.23 says, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So before you look down on somebody who's really having a tough time, 
Remember, you too, and, you're still, and we're all still under construction. And before we point a finger and we began to allow some words that seemed to sound real religious, remember, we're all under construction. And it's our responsibility to taste to the Lord and, and, and hide him in our heart, the word in our heart, so that we keep sin out and keep Jesus in. How about Psalms 119 and 103? How sweet are your words to, to my taste. First Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that you by it may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Let me tell you how good he is. He's good. He's, he's, he's extra good. He's special. He's delicious. He's a good hold in the time of trouble. And he knows those that have tasted of him. The Bible says our heart, our heart, everybody look this way, our heart, everybody's got one. Everybody's got a heart. It's beating today or, uh, or you wouldn't be here. Here's what the Bible says about our hearts. The heart of man is sinful. However, God's heart is sweet and good. <laughs> Better than cherry pie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His heart is sweet and good as proclaimed in his word. His word is true. And what he says is what he'll do, and what he does is what this says. Tasting God's word will transform our heart. And many times people, people as they begin to follow the Lord, begins to say this, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. I can't do this and I can't do that. And so many times people get discouraged because of their performance. Listen to me. Until you allow the, your, uh, your body or your spirit to taste of the Lord, you will beat yourself to death trying to obey the word of God. You can't do it. Moses proved that when he came down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments written on a tablet of stone, and people could not do it. Let me get on this side. You're not, I want to make sure everybody's getting it. You can't do it. Did you hear me? You can't do it. So quit trying. The heart, above all, is deceitful. and The heart can get so religious in religion that they want to, some people want to pull the religion out and say, look here. They're not a Christian. Well, the heart, above all, is sinful. And the heart fed on God's word brings on the nature of God. Hallelujah. I know this is not shouting news to me, you, but it is to me this morning. I tell you, this, this, this really, knowing God's word will burst our hunger and a thirst for God will even cause us to hunger more. In other words, we develop an appetite for God's word, which results in a spiritual growth. And for more of our, the more our appetite grows, the more we crave for him. And, and the more we depend upon him, the more we take refuge in him because we trust him. If I were to ask this question this morning to this awesome congregation, you're all awesome people. Most everybody in this building would, would, drive, would drive with me at least once. But if I talked about flying with me, let me just give you a real spiritual answer. Probably five out of the ten would want to fly with me. Am I qualified? Wanda would. I see your hand raising. I've got the credentials in this right pocket that I'm not only a private pilot, not only can I fly an airplane with one engine, through schooling and education and testing time, I can fly an airplane with two engines. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know you've got the qualifications, but let me wash this down. But when it comes to trust, one of the greatest compliments I have is the son-in-law that lives the farthest away. He doesn't like airplanes. He doesn't like commercial airplanes. He doesn't like private airplanes. You can have it all. Uh, he's not flying. But he did confess. The only one I would ever fly with is my father-in-law. Because if something happened, <laughs> I'm going down with him. Uh, him not being exposed to 
the life that you and I have been exposed to, I think about that quite often. And here's what I do. I let the taste buds begin to work in me. Lord, if he can trust me that far, I want my whole family to trust me that much. And most of all, Lord, I want you to trust. You've called me and you've trusted me. I want to be able to deliver the goods that you were glad you trusted me. And as a family of God, he wants to be able to do that same thing. And only till you taste of the goodness of God, only till you allow God to develop that heart into the nature of God. Our heart wars, our spirit wars against our soulish man every day. But there's nothing like the taste buds of knowing that God wants you to experience him in a personal way. He don't want you to just have the essential knowledge of him. He wants to prove himself to you that he's good. And if you're in trouble, he's a stronghold in the day of trouble. If you're hungry and thirsty and you've tried everything that the world has to offer, I'd like you to encourage you this week to go to the fifth chapter of Matthew. And there's found, there in the book of Matthew, there's an area called the Beatitudes. Think about this. I was a grown man before I stopped long enough to realize a B attitude. An attitude that can be a part of your life if you decide for it to be. Oh, you can read it from now on. But until you stop long enough to say, that's a B attitude? You mean that's an attitude that I can develop? That's an attitude that I can carry out? It's an attitude that I can put in practice for every day of my life? Yeah, that's what it says. Now, I like Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. It's a favor of mine. And by the way, they, they begin with, blessed, blessed is the man. Bless this. Bless, you'll read it, read it for yourself. Blessed means happy. <laughs> How many people do you know that are just so happy they could jump a few pews this morning? <laughs> well, don't placker me. <laughs> I did it once and only lost two members. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, blessed are those who do hunger and thirst for righteousness. Wait, let me stop there. Righteousness means right standing with the Lord. It doesn't mean how much I know about the, about the word of God. It, don't mean, it doesn't mean how many of those commandments that I could keep. It just means if I'm right stand, in right standing with the Lord. And I became the righteousness of God, and according to Romans 10, 9, 10, and 11. I became the righteousness of God the day I said, Lord, would you come into my heart? The Bible says, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, you can be saved. With, for with the mouth... Confession is made, and with the heart, you've got to believe that you have became righteous at that moment. You see, it's not how hard we work. We've got to realize that grace kicks in. None of us could deserve, would deserve the plan of God for our life if it wasn't for the righteousness of God, for the grace of God. How many know what a grace period is? Your bill come due on the first, but you've got 10 days of grace period. What does that mean? I'm going to be extra good to you. I'm going to give you a little extra time. You can pay this bill by the 10th. It still won't go against your credit. We all like grace periods. It's the grace of God that you're here this morning, not because of your works. Oh, listen, if it was by works, man, I could just taste the work every day. I love to work. I tell you, I, I would probably move to Alaska where there's months when the sun never sets. I used to string out the extension cord for the extra lighting when the sun would go down. But, you know, God's did a real work in my life. I usually try to shut down and pick up the tools before the sun goes down anymore. And if you're not there yet, just give it a little time and, and, and you'll get there. Knowing God's word will burst a hunger in our life. I watch a world today that is looking for reality. I watch people as they're looking for reality. I, I, I watch the things that are happening around us. And, and would you believe this, this, this book that's, thousands of years old foretold us what we would be seeing in this last hour. And it's all true. Everything's coming to pass. And much of it is happening even in our church world today because we're not tasting, which means reading and meditating God's Word. The late Miles Monroe, again, I'm borrowing from Jared. His message was so tremendous. It's still lingering with me, and I want to pass it on to those of you that might not have been here on, on New Year's Eve. 
Miles Monroe said it this way, when I honestly share what's troubling me, I taste the goodness of God's presence. He's a warm blanket of love around me when I feel the cold rejection. I experience the goodness of his peace in exchange for my worries. He's the sweet in the midst of my bittersweet. When I focus on his promise to never leave me nor forsake me, recorded in Hebrews 13, 5, I taste the goodness of his faithful presence. For he is my firm anchor, keeping my boat afloat in the raging storm. That's powerful. Miles Monroe had tasted. He'd been through the storm. He'd been through the challenges. He'd been through the times when his best friend turned his back. And all of this, he had tasted. In those moments, he knew what to do. He, he lifted up his eyes. He said, I, I, I remember what uh, uh, verse 8 of Psalm 34 said. I'm going to taste of the Lord, and you're going to satisfy my taste buds spiritually because you know what I'm going through, Lord. You know. And this brings us down to Psalm 34. I'm going to... I'm going to spent some time just meditating with you out loud on Psalms 1 and 2 today. Will you let me do that? Would you just let me take the door off of my heart this morning and raise the window of my spirit? And we're going to take verses 1 through and 2 today. And next Sunday, we're going to take verses 3 and 4. And uh, Jared's going to take it to next Sunday. I don't know where he's going, but uh, we're going to... He, he brought... The Holy Spirit allowed him to open some things to me in this scripture that I'm going to share with you. Would, would you put those would you put those words on the screen? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast of the Lord. The humble shall hear it and be glad. Who is that person who put that into practice? And many times our flesh tries to resist good things. I'm going to talk about the author of this, but I want to let me ask you this question. How many have a hard time uh, memorizing? So then if I was going to ask you to memorize Psalms 91, you wouldn't want to memorize those 31 verses all uh, by Wednesday night, right? Okay, well, I'm with you. You know, I'm, I'm, it's amazing. I, in, in, in school, I'll never forget, I, I hated memory work. And, and there was a class that required us to memorize so many poems in a, in a semester of this class. And I'll never forget, I hated that. But one day, our, our regular teacher didn't show up, and there was a substitute teacher that walked in. And I liked that lady. She was kind. She had a warm smile. And she said, I'm going to give this class time. She said, I've been looking at the grade book, and, and, and I see some of you are, are lagging a little bit in your memory work. And I'm going to give this, this hour today to just let some of you catch up she said it in such a way that she attracted my attention by the end of that close to the end of that hour I caught up number one I plugged in to the words that she spoke to me I tasted of them and they paid great dividends the greatest thing is I passed and they sent me on to the next 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 class for the following year no matter what, how hard it is, you may be here this morning, you may be saying, it's difficult for me to do anything spiritually. You don't know how hard it was for me just to get out of bed and show up this morning. Well, there's some that can relate to that. I had a hard time here a few years ago. Sherry said, it's time to get up. I rolled over and pulled the sheet over my head. She said, you've got to get up. I said, I don't want to go to church today. She said, you've got to go. You're their pastor. She's been a stronghold in the day of trouble. I want to show you something today. We say that uh, it's difficult to hide the word in our heart, but how difficult do you want to make it? Maybe you say, my, my intelligence will not let me memorize the word. Every time I go through a struggle, I take that scripture, 
and I put it on a sticky sticky note, and I know I know every week I'm going to drive from three to five thousand miles. And where do I look mostly across that steering wheel? Right in that middle of that circle is a is a horn, you know, with all these buttons you can punch to set your speed. Right in the middle of that horn button, I I stick that sticky note so that I can memorize that scripture as I'm rolling down the road. Guess what? It develops something inside of me that helps me through that day and through the struggles that I'm going through. But I want to show you something. Uh, I want to show you something with these words. This comes from Psalms 37, verse 1, 2. Is that where we're at? 30, Psalms 37? Let me have a nod from the... All right. It's a course that will help you memorize. And I'm going to do a course probably for the next two or three Sundays that are simply just the Scripture. Notice this, and I want you to open your mouth, look at the screen, don't look at me. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Sing it with me. I will bless the Lord. At all times, I will bless the Lord. At all times, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth one more time i will bless the lord at all times i will bless the lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth i will bless the lord at all times i will bless the lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth. How many now? Turn the slide off. How many can say that word now? How many can say it? I will bless the Lord at all times. Can you? Let me hear you. Well, that's pretty good for 10 of you. Turn up the volume. Let me see how many more. His praise shall continually. Now you look at the devil, and that's not me. Look at the devil and say, I've proven that I can memorize the word. I'm going to take you to the next, for the next few minutes to the man that gave us this. And the clock is already at 12 o'clock. Play, play. I promise you, if you'll just give me 10 minutes this morning, I'll promise not to take more than 15 next Sunday, okay? I'm going to stick with my notes. I'm going to go as fast as I can, so hang on. Get, make sure your seatbelt is is buckle. Psalms 34, 1 and 2, I've read it to you. I'm going to read it to you again. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast of the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Who is this person who puts his trust in what our flesh tries to resist when things are bad? And who is that person who's telling us to taste and see the Lord is good, even when good does not prevail? It was King David. King David faced such a crisis after killing Goliath. He became the hero of his nation. The Israelites cheered for him more than they did for their king Saul. They said Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his ten thousands, and Saul was angry. A survey could have been conducted about this, and Israel would have voted David as the man of the year because even though he's just a little shepherd boy, he became king. Even though they'd been to the battlefield to get together with the king, the king only slew a thousand but every thousand david slew ten i don't know would that cause you to be everybody look this way would that cause you to be a little jealous 
I see two that's just temporarily gone insane till I move my head. <laughs> Moving on. I promised you I'd stick with my notes. Sorry. Saul realized that this and his pride turned to rage and jealousy. One evening while David played his harp for King Saul, Saul tried to murder David by throwing a javelin at the gentle shepherd. Aghast at what happened, David's friend cried, Run, David, run for your life. Quit the king's service and flee like a bird to the mountain. And David responded with, I will trust the Lord at all times. David knew that no matter how great the problems were, God was greater. No matter how angry Saul was, he trusted God to protect him. David was all that Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. I intended to read that. I'm sorry. I've got to skip down to where I started about my thoughts. Do you ever have trouble falling asleep? Do you ever let the pressures of your job or your family or finance, finances push you to push a restful night's sleep out of reach? David faced great pressure and yet found peaceful nights and sleep in God's arm. Absalom and his forces were in hot pursuit of David, hoping to kill him. In fact, they had camped all around the cave where David was spending the night, and his friends were with him. In a cold, damp cave, David, surrendered by, surrounded by soldiers and listening to David, composed another son, song. David's friends are wondering, have we followed the wrong man? We're running from the king. We're in this musty cave with this man that's, that's trying to salvage his life. A man that penned Psalms 37.1-2 was in that musty cave when his friends had fallen asleep. And he gets his pen out. Surrounded by the enemy with no place to go in a misty cave. He pulls his pen out and he gets his piece of paper. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I'm praying, God, take me to the cave and let me act like David acted. Let me in the night when my sleep is gone and my restful moments are, have overwhelmed me. Take me to the cave and let me respond in the way that David responded instead of responding the way my flesh wants to respond by complaining and murmuring and finding fault and getting real religious about why I'm the only one who's really served the Lord. The rest of the church is all sold out and they're going to hell. Oh, no, they're not. A cave experience will change all of us. I will bless the Lord at all times. As we close this message today, if you've lost your palace, David had lost the palace, what would your reaction be in the cave when you were running from a king that you had? It would, let me just bring that picture into focus. What would Jared do if I was after him because all the people was exalting him instead of me? And he was in a misty cave. Well, that don't make sense. Let me put you by my side, and you're the associate pastor. What if you were running for your life and the preacher was on your path? Would you, in the midnight hour when you'd surrounded yourself with more friends than I could surround myself with, and you would take your pen and pencil, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You know what David was doing? He was tasting of the goodness of God. You'll never taste the goodness of God until your dilemma moves in, tries to move into your life and take control of it. And I don't know about you, but I've been there. And I know many of you have too. Many of you have been places, you've been in, in, in situations that I haven't been in. And I'm not making light of the place where you've been. I'm just highlighting what King David did as an example for you and I. So, uh, Facing many of life's problems. Can you say today, I can sleep in the master's arm knowing it, Romans 8, 28 says, all things work together for good to those that love the Lord? Well, first, you've got to taste. Do you know or are you going to take my word for it? Do you know that he's going to work things out for good no matter where you've been or what you've done? Listen, it all comes when we decide to surrender our life to Jesus. 
and inviting him into our life and asking him to forgive us of our sinful nature. Friend, that's tasting of the goodness of God. That change inside of people like you and me in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And many people think that's where the battle ends. That's where it begins. Your spirit is born again, but your mind, will, and emotion didn't get saved. That's a reason David said, you've got to hide this here, and what you hide here will affect here. And Paul penned these words carefully in his cave. Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended but this one thing I know, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I've tasted of the goodness of God. And because of the strength that I've tasted from his word, I press. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. I'm not going to just walk. I'm going to press. I'm going to push for everything I've got. I'm going to give it everything I've got. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. I can do all things through Christ who, gets, who, who strengthens me because I've tasted of his goodness. You'll never know till you've tasted of his goodness. Oh, sure, his love is the same for the sinner as it is for you and I as Christians. But you and I as Christians have, have, have a, paid, a paid entrance to sit at the king's table today. Not because we're better than anybody else. Not because we can do things that the world can't. It's because we accept the fact that we tasted and see that Jesus shed his blood on the cross of Calvary that we could sit at his table. And it's not by works, lest any man should boast, but it's by grace. Everybody say grace. It's by grace through faith. I close with this challenge. Faith is simply developing a positive attitude God's word. Well, three of you accepted that. Well, it's more than that, too. I tell you, you you gotta you gotta do more than that until you change your attitude. You need to read the Beatitudes, and that's where I'm at. God is developing my attitude for a, an attitude of gratitude because He allowed me. Through his grace, not because of who I was, not because of what I become, but it's because of his grace that I can sit at his table and taste of his goodness. Would you bow your head this morning? Father, I just thank you for your goodness and your mercy today. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Lord, there are people from every walks of life that are listening. They're within the sound of my voice this morning. And Lord, there's been a stirring in my heart since... December the 31st about tasting even in a time of, of fasting Lord there's been a there's been a goodness of tasting the, the word of God it's not only a lamp into my feet it's a light to my pathway it's sweeter than a honeycomb today as we allow it to penetrate every area of our body every fiber of our body can be filled just flooded and overflowing with the goodness of God And there are, Lord, there are times in our, all of our lives, even though we know the word, there are times in our life that our soulish man wars against our spirit. There are times, Lord, that we've, we've literally seen people walk away from God, but they didn't walk away from his spirit. That spirit is omnipresent. Their mind, will, and emotion just kicked in, and it became greater than their spirit, and they walked away from the table of the Lord. But let me tell you something, friends. God never took his hand off of you. He never turned his back on you, and he will never turn his back on you. But this morning, in the closing pages of this, of this message this morning, and I've used my 10 minutes, but let me ask you, are there those here this morning you want to taste from the table of the Lord? You want to start... You want to start programming your life with the Word of God so that you can be what His Word has to say. Is that you this morning? I want you just to raise your hand and look, or head and look my way. You say for that, Pastor. There are areas in my life where I'm not, I haven't tasted the Word of God, but I want to begin from the state forward. I want, to, I want this year to be a phenomenal year for me. I'm going to, I'm going to start tasting of the goodness of God by allowing His Word. 
speak to me every day. Let me see you. Those that will, you want to do this, you just look my way until I recognize you. From the west side, yes, I see those that are looking my way, many. How about this center section? Let's stay forward. There's, there's a change in your life. You're going you're gonna to start allowing God's Word to say something to you. When you read that passage of God's Word, you're going to say, I want a taste of the goodness. God, God, what is there in this verse or chapter I've read this morning that you want to say to me? I see those. How about on the seaside, you'd look at me this morning and say, I want to I I adopt that plan for my life. Yes. God bless you this morning. Would you stand as Jared comes to close the service this morning? This is a phenomenal morning. It's a phenomenal time to be serving the Lord, and we can do it with joy and gladness. God bless you. What a joy it is to be here today. Oh, we're before your throne. You are the one that we pray. You know, sometimes, have you ever been in a situation where you're not hungry, but you just taste something, and that just a little bit of taste creates and develops a hunger in you, and then you become hungry. Is it just me? Until I'm hungry a lot. <laughs> I promise you, if you're here this morning and you're like, I, man, I haven't spent time in God's Word. I'm not, I'm not real good about getting in the Word of God. Don't set yourself up where you're saying, okay, I'm going to go home right now and read the whole book of Matthew. I'm going to read, I'm going to read Revelation and understand what all those things mean. Now go home and break down one chapter. and let, uh, Break down half a chapter. And let that little bit of taste develop a hunger inside of you. When you taste and see that the Lord is good, you keep going back to the dinner table. Keep going back. But just start off with that taste. Get a taste of God's word. And you'll see that he's good. Amen. Father, we love you today. And God, I thank you for your many blessings. God, thank you for this word this morning. God, we want to be people of your word. We want to be students of your word. Your, your, the word says to study to show thyself approved. And so, Father, we want to be students of your word. And so, Father, I know across this congregation this morning, maybe some who are like, I just, uh, man, God, I, just, I hate reading. I can't, I just despise reading. Well, God, I, I pray that you would do a supernatural work in their life. And God, whether it's through the reading of the word or they get it on DVD or they get it on CD and they listen to it, they watch it. God, but there, a, a, a hunger would be developed in their life for the word of God. God, that it wouldn't just be a hunger, but then it turns into a craving where we get up in the morning or before we go to bed at night, we crave the word of the Lord. And there's only one thing that can fulfill the craving of our soul, the one thing that can fill, fulfill the craving of our spirit, and that is your word. So, Father, let us be students and followers and doers of your word. Your own word says that we not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. Therefore, we will not deceive ourselves. So, Father, let us be students of the word. Let us be hearers of the word. And then let us be doers of the word. That we may put into action what you're rolling through our heart. So, Father, we love you today. And I pray your blessing on all those who accept this challenge this morning. God, go with them. God, open the door for their life, God, where, this, where they can just take hold of the goodness of God as they taste and see we ask it all today in Jesus' body name. Everybody said, Amen. Hey.